Welcome to the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3, and I'm excited about having you with us today as we talk to Dr. Wesley Hazel. Wes is one of my close friends and good friends. He works as the preacher for the Forest Park Church of Christ in Valdosta, Georgia, and was a classmate of mine here at Fried Harmon. And Wes, tell us a little bit about your background and, and where you've um, where you work and your experience educationally and also in ministry. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Missouri, and that's where all my family still lives. But I'm made my way to Fried Hardman, and um, I've got a couple of degrees from Fried Hardman. I've preached in Illinois, Tennessee, Kentucky, and been in Georgia for almost 10 years now, which is a great blessing in my life. And uh, along through that time, um, went to Southern Baptist Theological, where I got my doctorate in biblical spirituality, which is part of, I guess, what, what we're talking about today. The Lord reason to bring that up. And um, just thrilled to be here. You also are able to teach or have taught uh, for us at Junkley here at Freed Harmon, and we appreciate that. And also, Wes um, was involved, you might remember, on the podcast from Season 2, where we went, a group of students, to Georgia and did a gospel meeting. It was an educational experience for our students and Wes was involved in helping uh, train those students and work with us there yeah. and make that. Yeah, it was a great experience. He said that. I thought, I've not been on this podcast before. They, but, yeah, I was involved with those young men. That was an awesome experience. Yes, that was a, a special trip. So, um, Wes, today I want to think about, we're thinking about church leaders, and I want to think about um, some some area that you've done a lot of work in, and I appreciate your studies in. I also appreciate what you, the passion you bring to this. And so we're thinking about a personal spiritual development, your personal devotional life. This is something that we we generally maybe take, well, everybody understands that. You just read the Bible and pray. But um, what would you what would you begin with saying, what are some misunderstandings about this, and why is this so important for a church leader? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the main reasons it's important for us to talk about this is because a lot of times it's assumed. Uh, it, it's assumed when someone is a church leader Maybe you're the preacher, maybe you're an elder or a deacon or a Bible class teacher. It's assumed that you have a, a great spiritual life with God, and that's not always the case. That I mean, it, and I would say even from, from a personal perspective, that there have been lots of times in my life that I could get up and preach a sermon. That doesn't really mean that I was where I needed to be with God at, at that moment. Or elders, you know, are making major decisions and and holding people by the hand in their lives, in, in those people's lives, but they're not paying attention to their own lives. I know those things happen. Uh, I've seen it. I've experienced it. And what I know is that when you put the time in to actually growing closer to God, it will make you so much more effective at actually helping others. In uh, a lot of things where, like, as a leader, I, I can do the job but I can't do it the way that God really wants me to do it unless I've given attention to my own spiritual walk. And ultimately, if if, if you take that out to its end, it usually ends up in some sort of personal explosion, right, where you're trying, to, you're trying to put one thing forward before the world, but you know personally inside that your prayer life is not what it needs to be. You haven't read the Bible in weeks outside of, you know, getting ready for this class. You haven't really spent any time in meditation. Even some of the things that you may be encouraging other people to do because you know they're good, but you haven't done those things. That will catch up with you. Amen. So what you're saying is if you're hollow on the inside and you're not keeping your spiritual life close to God, that is, if you're putting all these works on the outside, it's eventually going to 
demonstrate itself in corruption, maybe sinfulness. Absolutely. Uh, and maybe well, burnout. Well, Jesus said, you're like whitewashed tombs, right? I mean, we can, we can paint it up really good on the outside, and a lot of leaders are good at that. I'm pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. But, but the Lord knows what's on the inside, and not only does he know it, that's what he cares about. So, so Wes, when you think about this, what, um, what would be, where's the place to start? So what, what maybe is a first way of assessing where we're at, and then where do we need to start as a leader because uh, to think about our personal life? Well, I, I mean, I, when you think about where you're trying to start, I guess with anything, you want to make an assessment, and hopefully you're going to be the best person to do that, to, to look at your own life and say, so how is your prayer life? And I'm not, Jocelyn, asking you to give me a sermon about prayer. I'm asking you to tell me how is your prayer life. That's right. So, um, so you're really saying, you know, Josh, how much have you prayed? Yeah. Like, you know. It's a very real question, right? That's right. I always relate prayer to swimming. Like, we can talk a lot about swimming, but you're never going to learn how to swim until you swim. You got to mm-hmm. get in the water. Yeah. So what you're saying is, Josh, you know, how, when was the last time you were in the water? When, when were you actually praying? Right. Um, and when you start to... When you start to read the Bible and you see what people are doing in, in, as part of their own personal devotion with God, is that consistent with what we see in our own lives? Because I'm, I'm, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, I don't think that it is. I'm speaking from personal experience, and, and th- those ought to be warning signs that, okay, so Jesus, it was necessary for Jesus to purposefully take time to get away, to just be with God. But I don't think that's good for me. I mean, that's kind of foolish, right? But that's where we live. We're like, well, I, I can't even imagine taking an hour just, just to go just me and God. Yes. Okay, well, Jesus thought it was, a, it was a necessary thing for himself. Fasting. That's right. You know, Jesus, and we see the early church in the book of Acts, fasting. When people are going to say, well, you know, well, I tried fasting, and it, it didn't really work for me. I mean, once again, are you, are you better off than Jesus? Yeah. Because there's that contrast that's there. And, and if you're looking at these things, you're saying, that's well, that's not really for me. It's highly probable that you're doing it wrong, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it, that, that, that's the reason it's not working for you. I mean, you, you bring up fasting. I've heard lots of people say that fasting, fasting is not for me. And what they mean by that is, well, I skipped a meal, and I didn't feel closer to God. Mm-hmm. And yes, they did skip a meal, but they didn't biblically fast, right? They, they missed the whole point because they thought it was just about missing a meal. Yes. Well, no wonder it didn't help you spiritually. But in their mind, they've just checked out from, of course, I don't need those things anymore. Well, let's go back and let's actually say, so what, what was going on in the Bible? And how does my life compare to that? I mean, for me, I think a lot about um, time spent in prayer. And it's been a real focus of my life in the last, in the last several years and, and even in the last several months of my life of like, I want to have a deeper prayer life. Because I think a lot of people read the Bible, and we and we we see, we hear about people, and they're they're praying for hours, and they're praying all through the night, and and I look at that, and I and, and I'm thinking, how is that even possible? I mean, the last time I heard a prayer that was over five minutes, I thought you know the whole world was going to come to an end, and I wasn't even the one praying. How did you know? And I think people look at that, I you know, because they're, they're and and so in some ways they they almost feel like they're they're not a real Christian because they can't do those things. And I mean, and it makes makes people have this negative view of their spiritual life when what they're really need to do is just let's access some of the things that we see in the text and begin to understand 
this is what that really looks like, and, and this is how you can draw, can draw closer to God. So, so for me, I'll tell you something I've, I've really been giving a lot of thought to is the idea of positions of prayer. Mm-hmm. And once again, these aren't things, the Bible doesn't legislate these things, but they're examples. Mm-hmm. You know, just like we talk about sometimes our dress and worship, that what we do outwardly impacts us inwardly, mm-hmm. right? Well, when you start to see in the Bible that people were praying and, and they were kneeling before God, you know, people were, were laying face down on the ground as they prayed towards God. And, and not every time, but there were many times where very godly men, even Jesus, prayed like that. I've been trying to get up every every morning for the for the last several months before my, before my family gets up because it just is awkward. I don't do this in front of everybody, and it's kind of weird even talking about this. But I'm only sharing just mm-hmm. to, to help. I'm, I'm hoping that this will help other people. But even trying to say, okay, I'm I'm going to go and, and I'm going to bow down before God. Mm-hmm. It's very biblical. And I want to I want to tell you it will change your prayer life. And but it's hard to do, because I remember the first couple of times that I would get up and I was very intent on doing this and I understood what what I should do and this was a good idea and I'd even done some writing about it, and I remember I was sitting there and I was praying and I and I just thought, uh, I think yes. I'll just I think I'll just sit here and pray today. Yes. I'll, I'll 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 bow down tomorrow. You know, yeah. it was like, but and it, I just almost had to make myself do it. But then it became a much more natural thing and. If you want to really learn about confession, get on your knees, mm-hmm. right? And, and and to understand this is a powerful thing that you see in the text that's lacking in a lot of our lives, that when you begin to implement it, I promise you it will draw you closer to God. I promise it will change your prayer life and, and allow you to be more vulnerable because it's a very vulnerable position. It is. Right? And, and, and at first you may you may even get focused on some of the pain of it, of the your knees hurt and right. when I when I've done that before or, I use a pillow. Yeah. And you you have to also recognize that this is all part of that humiliating process. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if you say Because well, I don't bow before anybody. That's right. Besides God. Well if you go back to historically, country churches often the men would get out into the aisle and would bow down yeah. in the aisle, would would get on a knee, we might say, not necessarily yeah. but I mean historically this is something that we're losing uh, as Christians of Thinking about prayer posture. Yeah, well, and and the Bible is shows us example after example, right? Mm-hmm. Of of and we think that we think it's Muslim. Yes, right. When we see people kneeling or bowing with their head down, or even you know even even turning in a certain direction, mm-hmm. you know, like um, um, Daniel. Daniel prayed towards towards Jerusalem, Jerusalem mm-hmm. right? Because what you're doing outwardly impacts you inwardly. Now I don't know if you should like pray towards Henderson or things like that, but <laughs> but but to understand he was doing something tangible, right? But we look at that and we say, well, that's that, that's that's some kind of Islam or Muslim. I say, no, it's not. It, it's it's simply a position of humility, of of acknowledging that there is a God, mm-hmm. and it's not just a God that I'm talking to. It's 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 a God who is great and overwhelming, and I had the privilege to approach him, but I would not dare do so, as in the case of Moses, without taking my, my shoes off, yeah. right? Because I'm walking on holy ground. But I need that outward that outward sign to remind me of that truth. And this is, so I know you, you guys did a podcast, and, and I think Donnie talked about the, the power of mm-hmm. God and the awesomeness of God. Okay, acknowledge that as an academic idea, but this is just a tangible way that you can acknowledge that in, in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is, is actually thinking about our posture. Thinking That's about absolutely. getting up, laying down before God, uh, bowing before God, you know, praying sincerely, privately before God, sitting with That's God. That's right. Just taking, you know, taking some time. It's amazing how if you will take some time just to sit and not try to, you don't have to read you don't have to even think about intentionally pray. You're just trying to sit before God and just let thoughts come to you and meditate and maybe dwell on an issue you're facing. How if you'll take that time to let the peace of God come into your heart, how it will often clear up the issues you're dealing with. Yeah. And, and it will also allow you to feel uh, that intimacy with God. And then, the, then your prayer can just come. I think so many times we get focused. You, you're thinking about prayer earlier. Prayer, A prayer life is hard. You know, I struggle with that. It's, it's constantly going up and down. And I think one of the hard things about it is we get focused on in our westernized civilization of what am I going to say? And it's like, it's like this conversation here. If you and I quit talking, one of us is going to jump in. We're, it, we, we, we have to have conversation going on. And so we feel like that with God. But there's also a sense of where I'm really intimate with someone, like with my wife and I, we don't have to always talk. We can ride in a car and, and ride together, be together, and both being joy being together without always talking. And sometimes in, in the moments of grief or the moments of great joy, it's not about what you say. It's just about holding each other and, and, and crying together or loving each other together. And I think that's, that has to carry over in your prayer life to too, have right? That same relationship with God. Yeah. Where you, can, where you literally bear your soul. Like, yeah, I want to thank God for the food that, that we're going to eat. Right. Thank you. Be with the travelers who are in the people who are here for this lecture series. And uh, but but what about the what about the real burdens of life? Mm-hmm. You know what what about taking time simply to tell God how great we think He is? And we, when you read the Psalms, mm-hmm. there's there's so much more praise of God than we ever incorporate into our prayers. What about taking the time to really go go before Him with the burdens that we have in our heart. I mean, if we're both raising teenage children, and I'm going to tell you, there are things that are so overwhelming to me, and and there there are church problems that that are dealt with that I, I don't have good answers to, and, and I wish I did. But but and and they're and they're heartbreaking and they're emotional. When you allow those things to become a part of your prayer life, where it's more than just this mechanical thing. Well, of course, I'm supposed to pray before I do this or mm-hmm. after I do that. I just I, want, I need to talk to God. I, I need to I need to share these things, and some of the most powerful moments I've I've ever had with God. I, I don't know that I had words, and I'm gonna tell you I got a lot of words, Josh. I'm a preacher, mm-hmm. right? But I find myself before God, and sometimes just just saying, "Help, yes, G- give me what I need." And it's like I will find myself with moments passing. There's a there's a Puritan phrase I ran across that it's kind of fa- kind of fascinating me. But they said, pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. And and I I love that because what they were saying was, you keep praying until you get over that mechanical part of your prayer life, right? You just keep, you keep, and I'm just going to tell you that there will be that breakthrough. And we've all experienced that in in most things in our life, right, where where it's so easy to be formal and mechanical and, okay, but this is just about me talking to God. Yes. And, And all of a sudden... It's not awkward. I'm not on a first date anymore, right? I, I mean, we, we are intertwined in our souls. And, and I, I've talked to you about this, but I'm going to talk to you again about this. And, and I'm going to praise your name in, in more ways than, than I even have. And it becomes, it becomes a part of your spiritual journey rather than a, a checklist that you're trying to go down. Mm-hmm. But, but none of these things happen accidentally, right? I've never had anyone who said they didn't believe in prayer or they didn't like prayer or they didn't want people to pray for them. 
But that being said, most people don't really pray like that. Yes. And, and so we have to be purposeful about all of these things because a desire for them to happen does not make them happen, right? I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've always wanted to, to be a real skinny guy, right? And I mean, I want that, I want that real bad, but that doesn't just happen. No. Right? You have to purposefully go to the gym. You have to purposefully change what you're eating at dinner. You have to, it's the same thing with our, with our, with our spiritual life. We have to be purposeful about these things. That's why they're called spiritual disciplines. That's right. That's these, right. These are things that we have to, and Paul talks about the idea of training for godliness. Right. And this idea of we have to constantly be disciplined in this idea. And it reminds me what you were talking about, and I know you're familiar with this verse, Romans chapter 8, and I think what we're talking about, just sitting with God and, and having intimacy with God. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for when we do not know what to pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. But do we do we give time for that in our prayer, when we don't even know what to pray? You know, in those times of deep uh, sorrow, deep uh, joy, do we just have that intimacy with God? And so we're talking about prayer, we're talking about fasting, we're talking about meditation, we're talking about these spiritual disciplines that we have to be intentional about. Uh, and what what does this do? What are some other? Before I go there and talk about what it does for our leadership. Uh, what other ideas would you want to suggest around this idea of our own personal devotional life? And, and what about reading of Scripture? Well, that's going to be the basis for everything that we do. To, I mean, so many, so many times when people start talking about, about spiritual lives and spirituality, I mean, th- basically people just make up whatever they think, right? Mm-hmm. You get into mysticism and things of that nature, and, and really all that means is these are things that they don't have any, anything to do with revelation of the Bible. We just People just made them up, and... Anytime people start talking about spirituality, that's there's a lot of that. Um, that you can a lot of people. One of the really cool things people talk about is maze walking to draw closer to God, uh, like walking a labyrinth. Yeah, right. Which is okay. So there's nothing in the Bible about that. No, right. But I'm going to tell you there are lots of books that 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 talk about how this is how you draw closer to God. If you visit some some denominational seminaries, you'll find you'll find mazes around their campus that that's what they're designed for. Huh. Okay. That's not in the Bible. Yes. So, but how do I know that? Well, I've read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I want I want my spirituality to be an overflow of the things that I'm seeing in the text. Yes. I'm, I want to pray because Jesus prayed. I want to fast because Jesus fasted. I want to I want to take time to pull away because Jesus did that, and, and we see that in the text. Mm-hmm. So you have to study the text, but but I think that, that this point goes even further of not just understanding, but allowing the purpose of the word to be transformative. Not just knowing a lot about the Bible, but allowing the Word to transform us. That that this is I'm not just trying to okay I, I got to have my prayer time over here okay yeah but I'm but I want I'm trying to draw closer to God. So I'm looking at my life as I'm I'm meditating upon upon the Scriptures. I'm not just fulfilling my daily Bible reading, mm-hmm. right? Which is fine. Daily Bible reading is great, but so much better is to then meditate upon those things. That. Uh, I almost hesitate to say who it was, but there, there was there was someone who said that the reason that some people come away from from reading the Bible so coldly is because they've never warmed themselves by the fires of meditation. Ooh, I like that. Right, and it's like, yeah, I read the Bible, but what I get out of that? Well, I think, and, and as a brotherhood, we are very heavy on. Uh, disseminating information. Right. Sunday morning Bible class. It's one get, of our, it's one of our strengths. You give information. Sermon, you're giving information. Sunday night, you're giving information. Wednesday night. But when do we stop and reflect 
and meditate on that information given and maybe even with others and discuss how does this apply? Now, I know the preachers are supposed to, we're supposed to be applying it too, but what I'm really thinking is how does this apply to my life? That's right. Well, so with, without all of that information transference, right, yes. then, then your application becomes hollow and, and fruitless. But if, but if you leave it with just the information, then you becomes pointless also. You yes. have to take it that next step. We're in the middle of um, reading through Hebrews right now, and Hebrews is, is an interesting book, and there's lots of facts about it. And you go back and you say Leviticus and, and all these things that are going on in the temple, and you can learn a lot about Hebrews, but you better not miss the point that this is all about Jesus, mm-hmm. that this is all about your relationship with Jesus and why you should strive to hold on to this relationship. And it, it has personal application to my own relationship. And I think it's important for us to get that. And we've had lots of conversations with this about in our preaching, and we talk like the so what, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's the same thing in our in our personal in our personal devotion. They say, "What does this have to do with me? What does it have to do with me today? And how I'm going to engage at work with my wife, with the people at Walmart, or right? Because I want to be transformed. Because I want to look more like Jesus, not less like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and so that's where I think meditation is so important." That you would be, you're better off to take three or four verses and really think about it and work this through your mind, and then you are to say, "Well, I read 15 chapters today." Yeah. Once again, I'm not opposed to people reading 15 chapters a day, but if all you're doing is saying, "I read it," I think there's something lacking, and you're you're missing out on an opportunity there. Yeah. To really work with the text. That's right. Re- That's really right. apply it, and also just to. To go into the richness of God in that text. Absolutely. Well, that's what meditation, right? And meditation, it just really means just thinking about it deeply. Yes. And there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go word by word. You can do context. You can do all these things. You know, especially as a leader, you probably have a, a strong a strong understanding of the Bible. Um, I, I like to meditate, almost like creating my own uh, like chain reference in my mind. Mm-hmm. How many how many how many things can I connect this to throughout the Bible? Mm-hmm. And but it just helps me to think through things, and. It makes what I, what I have in front of me become so much richer than just here's here's a verse or even a verse that I memorize that I'm 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 just thinking about it and as I'm I'm sitting at a basketball game last night and I'm enjoying the basketball game but in the back of my mind I'm also thinking about this text that's been in my mind all day long mm-hmm. and that's what meditation can look like more more so than I did my Bible reading this morning at seven yes and now I'm at a ball game and I'm doing basketball that that. This becomes just a part of who we are everywhere that we go. And maybe that's, I know we're overlapping here, but maybe that's what uh, Paul means in First Thessalonians about pray without ceasing. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe that's the idea there is that, that we are so talking to Jesus and God and the Spirit. We're so you know, focused on our prayer life as we go throughout our day that we're constantly living in that relationship with Him. Absolutely. And it, it kind of becomes the overflow. Mm-hmm. That's just what we do. We have an we have an elder um, where where I worship, and it's always it always impresses me because the word is just a part of his vocabulary, mm-hmm. and they'll start talking to you about it's usually about Ephesians mm-hmm. uh, that he loves to talk about Ephesians and sometimes Galatians he gets into, and it's interesting to me because he he's never preaching at you, mm-hmm. he doesn't preach at you. I've I've been on the receiving end of some people like that. He's just talking, and mm-hmm. this is on his mind. Mm-hmm. Right, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's what this looks like." Everywhere he goes, right? If he's mowing the lawn, if he's at work, if, like he's thinking about these things, and so naturally, it's going to come out in, in his vocabulary and in his words. 
well, that's a, that's a spiritually minded man. Not just someone, that he, yes, he's someone who knows the word very well, but he's spiritually minded. He's thinking about these things, being convicted by these things. That's, that's what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what will motivate us to be, to be better leaders. You know, whenever, whenever we're dealing with a difficult member of the church or a difficult situation or even a, a difficult a situation maybe even in our home, of we're reminded of these things that are in the back of our mind because, because we've hidden them in our hearts. And it's not just that we read them, we've hidden them in our hearts. Uh, I always think about like raising children, how often it is that it just came into my head of, you know, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other cheek to them also. And even in those moments where I want to give my son real human advice about how to deal with conflict, but the Word of God says, don't tell him that. Don't mm-hmm. tell him what you want to tell him. Tell him the thing that comes completely um, against the grain so that, so that he'll look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't come out of nowhere. That only comes from, from being saturated in the Word of God, not just to know it, but to embrace it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, you're thinking about making this a part of our life. And I think as church leaders, this gets back to the struggle that, that we have. And we, we've lived this, right, as preachers for years. Both of us have preached some 25 years. Um, and so we know this, that we've done this. So we're not just saying this is what other leaders do. We're saying this is what we've done, and we've been church leaders. And, right. so, and that is it's easy to get wrapped up in this hollowness of I'm doing the works, I'm preparing the lessons, I'm being a part of, if you're an elder or deacon, I'm a part of making those decisions. I'm a part of this ministry. But I really don't have that relationship with Jesus. I don't have that connection with God. It's just about my outward social standing. It's about this expectation of keeping this church going that my dad helped start. And it's about keeping that going instead of I'm doing this out of a passion for God and I'm close to God, and then that exudes out into others. And, and so it makes it a business model of the church instead of a spiritual model of the church. So sometimes when we say the failure of leaders in the church, people will say things like, well, I don't, just, I, I don't see how somebody could, could be an elder or they could stand up there every Sunday and preach like they, and preach, like they preach and, 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 then, and then do those things. Mm-hmm. And I always think, well, of course, I can easily see that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it makes it consistent or that it's good, but but I'm also keenly aware of the fact that you can do the job, and 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 you're a good preacher, right? You, you could you could preach a great sermon in your sleep because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. But that's not what God calls you to do. God calls you to be a man of God. And when you begin to put those things together, of whether anybody knows about these these private things or not, I don't expect everybody to know about what you're doing. You know, five thirty in the morning when it before, but I want to tell you that what what that will do in in your own life, people will see that impact, right? Paul tells Paul tells Timothy that he's to grow in his faith, that his, that his growth might be evident to all. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about this growth of this of this young man into a man of God, and you can see the fruit of those things. And I think I've also seen I've I've also seen leaders who I had great suspicion that they didn't have much of a prayer life, or they didn't spend much time in the Word. And I, that that may be a, I'm not trying to be ugly or indicting or things of that nature, but but that is usually almost always leads to other problems. Mm-hmm. And if we would spend more time in the Word, on our knees with God, disciplining ourselves unto godliness, it it would change our elders' meetings. It would change the way we preach. 
It would change our evangelism. It would change the way that we interact with our family. And we have to believe those things. It change our public prayers. Absolutely. You know, a lot of public, public prayers can seem rote, uh, not to be accusatory here, but often guilty of what Jesus talks about, vain repetitions. Yeah. And if, we praying, if we're praying personally, then that develops our own prayer life so that we can pray publicly better. That's right. I've, I've started using the Psalms as the guide for my prayers almost, almost exclusively mm-hmm. um, because, honestly, I'm not saying my prayers weren't prayers, but when I looked at the Psalms and I said, I don't talk about God the same way that they're talking about God, mm-hmm. and I want to I talk about God the way they talk about God. And, so, we, and we run out of stuff to say. That's right. If we're just list, thinking about our own prayer, you know, we and then we get into this thing about, all right, I said this yesterday, but I need to say it again. I yeah. need to keep. I need to be that persistent widow. Look at how, how many different ways can I thank God for the food that's before me? Right. That's right. Or how many the the concern I have? How many different ways can I pray for this person to become a Christian? You know, yeah. how many different ways can I pray for this sermon? We need to pray those things. Uh, the prayer Absolutely. list is good. Yeah. But it, when that gets cold, when that gets stale, what you're saying is we need to pray scripture. We need to, Absolutely. And that gets us to the heart of God. To well, the like Jesus on the cross, right? When he cries out to God, I mean, my God, my God, why has us forsaken me? He mm-hmm. didn't make that up. It's, it's coming from the Psalms. Psalm 22. Right? So so to understand, it's got a biblical precedent. When when uh, Peter and John have been released from the imprisonment and they're, they're talking about how the nations are raging, they're not making that up. They're pulling from the Psalms. And so to understand... Throughout history, that's been a great tool for people to use to help them in their prayer lives, and I think it can still be a great tool for us today, for in in regards to what we pray about. But even the the language of our prayers, there's a freshness. Um, it, we're we're all of a sudden instead of using my language, we're using inspired language. Mm-hmm. So I know I know what I'm saying is actually right. Um, it, it's been really helpful to me publicly and privately. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Wes, we we don't have a lot longer before we close out our show, but tell us a little bit about um, resources for praying scripture, and give us an example of praying scripture. Well, I mean, one of the greatest resources is the Psalms, mm-hmm. right? Um, if if because really they are adorations towards God for the most part. Um, there are prayers all throughout the New Testament. Um, if you become a little bit more advanced, Paul is saying, "I prayed, and this is what I prayed." And mm-hmm. you can just, but basically, the whole concept is that you just walk your way through through those prayers mm-hmm. and whatever comes into your mind you might think take something simple like like the 20 the 23rd psalm mm-hmm. right so so this idea that god is our shepherd i mean it's like god thank you for being my shepherd thank you for leading me here and lord i ask for your wisdom in in this thing of my life right and and you just kind of walk through that psalm and if nothing comes into your mind you just keep right on going to something else. There's not a right way or wrong way to do it, right? You're, it's not like the Book of Common Prayer where I'm reciting someone else's mm-hmm. prayer. I'm just trying to use those things to to be my guide in in all of those things. And I would I would suggest the Psalms. I, I personally, and some of this comes from my educational background. I I enjoy reading Puritan prayers mm-hmm. uh, because they were really inspired by a lot of the Psalms. And I but it, it's inspiring for for me to see how other people are praying. Um, now those things aren't inspired, so some people aren't aren't near as comfortable with that. But the the Psalms are a great are a great resource. Well, and we see this in the Bible. Uh, Nehemiah does this, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Like he goes back and says, "God, you said all these things." And as we read that, it's like he's telling God what God said. But what he's doing is then claiming those promises, and he's saying, "God, 
It's a reminder to Nehemiah and all those listening to his public prayer. And he's saying, this is what you said. This is what has happened. Now, God, we, we pray that you'll do that. And we trust that you'll do that based upon your word. And in some ways, you're even reminding yourself of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and they bring about a certain freshness, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking about uh, things you might not pray about. Um, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. When was the last time, Lord, that you prayed for contentment? And then all of a sudden, when I'm, when I'm, you know, thank, you know, I'm thanking God for what I have, but Lord, help me to be content. Help me to not want things. In my mind, I mean, it's going to flash over to like Philippians, and Paul says, you know, but he has a lot, and he has a little, and all things are possible through Christ. And all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm in that verse, but it's sending my prayer life and my conversation to all of these things that honestly I probably wouldn't have even thought about praying for contentment, but I know that's a good thing for me to pray about. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. There's so much we could talk about, Wes. We need to wrap up our show. I want to ask a question I try to ask most of our guests. Um, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to add to this or anything that you feel like would wrap it up well? Anything that you want to say you had not been able to say? Yeah, just the encouragement that every one of us can grow. So find something tangible. Make a plan and make a commitment and just do it. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to mess it up. I mean, make a commitment. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray every day at 6.30 or at 4.00. You said it. We're not being legalistic. This is this is about you and God. I'm going to spend some time on my knees. I'm going. I'm going to have a better understanding of biblical fasting. I'm going to take a two day sabbatical where I just focus on God, and then try it. And and I promise you, if you'll try it, it will have an impact on your life. And it's almost like I think a lot of people don't try because they're scared that they'll fail. You you, you won't fail at these things. Yeah. It's like. It's like talking. It's like talking to your wife. Okay, maybe you're not the best in the world at it, but it's still a good thing. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. And then the deeper relationship you'll have. And then you until you get to the point where yeah, it's just something that you do. Amen. So we really want to encourage our church leaders to assess and think about their own spiritual life. Think about maybe how you can develop a deeper spiritual life. And and don't be afraid of these things. And don't be afraid to engage others in these talks. Like, men don't talk about these things enough, Um, and we need to challenge one another. We need to encourage each other in developing our spiritual Well, even even a great thing for preachers and elders to sit around and just say, so what are you doing to to grow closer to God? And just let that silence hang out there, and it'll it'll do maybe a couple things. One, it may give you some great ideas. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's a great idea to do. I think I want to try that also. It might also humble all, a lot of us to say, yeah, I've not been paying attention in those things. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you're a leader for a reason. You want to do better. You want to draw closer to God. So that can become the motivation and opens up a dialogue where, as we're talking about those things, that, that accountability helps us to, to actually be the person that we want to be, and God, God knows we can be. Yeah, and <laughs> we're facing... As church leaders, we're facing a war. Like we, we, there's a spiritual warfare going on, and we have all these challenges in a local congregation of dealing with marriage issues, dealing with uh, teenage issues, dealing with uh, staff issues, all these challenges. We've got to stay rooted. We've got to stay grounded in our spiritual life so that we then will have the spiritual stamina and strength to face these issues. And it's gonna, it just makes you so, str- so much stronger for that fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh, th- there's a sense in which prayer is one of the simplest things that anybody can do. Yes. I mean, we, we, our, our smallest children pray before God, right? 
But there's also a sense in, in that prayer can become one of the deepest and most complex things of all, in all of our spiritual life. But we have to grow to that. We have to grow to that and not be satisfied with praying like a two-year-old. Mm. And, and there's nothing wrong with a two-year-old praying. But there is something wrong when, when you're you know, 40, a 40, 50-year-old man and you're still praying like a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to have flowery language or anything like that, but the depth of that communication, we can't be satisfied with where we are because we want to be what Christ was. Yes. Amen. Well, Wes, look forward to having you on future shows, and I'm, I appreciate you being here with us today on the FHU Leadership Podcast. We encourage you to check out other episodes and also, if the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership can help you in any way, please reach out to me, uh, Josh Ketchum at Fried Hartman University. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers, your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember... God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.